0: I was thinking of those troll dolls.
1: Yes, you know what? Yes,
0: that's the first thing I saw. First thing I thought of when I looked at this, as I thought those old school troll dolls. I think they still make them, but those are
1: the ones that they I look have for. one. And that—that's disturbing enough and And this—this is more terrifying than the actual troll doll.
0: Hi everyone, welcome to episode two of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast a podcast of two unqualified idiots rambling on sports topics they likely know nothing about for an indeterminate period of time, likely this week written on a cocktail napkin. I'm Carlos Alcazar, and with me, as always, is Dave
1: Turnbull. Hello, everyone. And just to point out, sometimes the best ideas are written on cocktail napkins.
0: Well, I'm saying, that and the theory, of the, you know, my rebuttal to the theory of relativity, unfortunately, the drink got spilled on it. So we're going to try again. We'll, we'll see what we can do. So... Since we actually have a cocktail napkin format this time around, we'll actually talk a little bit about a couple of news and notes that that caught our eye. But first, Mr. Turnbull, in the land of the deep freeze, how was your week?
1: You know what? As a New Orleans Saints fan, it just got worse. And not necessarily as a Saints fan, but as a New Orleans sports fan. Why? Because Anthony Davis asked to be traded. Right? The Pelicans all-star, the best player on the Pelicans the man who is known as The Brow, asked out. Just adding more insult to injury to more New Orleans Saints fans and New Orleans sports fans in general. And why are you thinking, why is there such a connection between the Saints and the Pelicans, two different leagues, same owner? So they're all part of the same family.
0: Well, I think the, the funny thing about that, uh, it wasn't something that I was going to bring up, but actually, I'm glad you did. Because I did, uh, I, I was looking at that a little bit. I think it was great that, uh, that that basically got off the news almost immediately when the Knicks basically dumped Porzingis for nothing. For basically for salary cap. On the hope, they're crossing their fingers... That they can get a couple of the the big free agents in the in the year. We won't go extensively into that because I know about as much about the basketballs as I do about the uh, about soccer or as I like to call it uh, pretentious cross country running. Uh, you know, in circles. And but we will at some point have a discussion on that. It will be interesting though, in all in all seriousness, to see what does happen with uh, with Anthony Davis. Short TLDR for me. There's really no incentive on the Pelicans to trade to do the trade. It doesn't matter what you want. However. There is the side of it that argues that you do want to get something of value. And if you can basically take three quarters of the LA team, maybe you can build around that, maybe you can do something with it. Of course you're not gonna get equal value. But that's that's you're always gonna get pennies on the dollar when you're trading somebody who's basically said they wanted to be gone.
1: No, anytime you have a superstar who says they want out, you're never gonna get as much as you could if they wanted to stay in that town. Yeah. I think they could still get a good decent haul. And in the end, if he ends up going to the Raptors, then I can live with that because that'll make me happy too.
0: Well, we'll see. The Raptors are a completely different discussion entirely. We will at some point devote a little bit of time to it. So, with that said, I spent most of my time short version trying to hibernate and avoid the weather which has been frigid on a scale of 1 to 10, probably about a 9.5 for us. And then I'm hoping that, you know, as we get into the weekend now, we're going to go from merely frigid to simply ridiculously cold. So, with that, I should be able to go out and about and do some errands.
1: You can actually get some groceries for once.
0: Yeah, that'd be good. Alright, with that out of the way, there are going to be a couple of news and notes we're going to talk about, and then our main topic of the day is the, well, not really the launch, but rather the, the onset of week, of season one of the Alliance of American Football, or AF, which is an absolutely terrible acronym, and I still don't like it. However, the concept is good, and there are elements of it that we like, and we'll discuss that further. But as far as News and Notes are concerned, there are some good ones uh, this time around. By the way, News and Notes is basically not necessarily going to be the biggest stories. They're basically just ones that caught our eye or something that we thought might have found entertaining. So for me, as a Dallas Stars fan, long time going back to the early days of Medano in Dallas, I rather enjoyed that it was a bit of a callback for me. Back in 2017, the Dallas Stars traded a young defenseman they drafted in 2011 named Jamie Oleksiak. Now, he's not really a household name. Uh, This season, he's got 11 points, so not exactly an offensive defenseman. Primarily defensive. But they traded him to the Pittsburgh Penguins for a conditional fourth-round draft pick in the 2019 draft. Why would we even be discussing this? Only one reason. In this year, prior to the trade deadline, Dallas needed some death on defense, so they ended up reaching out to the Pittsburgh Penguins and asking them to trade Oleksiak back to Dallas. But what they did in return is they traded pittsburgh back their own conditional fourth round draft pick the exact same draft pick they received for alexic in the first place showing that in the nhl apparently even almost two years later you can hit the undo button if only windows gave us that luxury
1: that would be fantastic
0: secondly kind of a good one and i want to throw in uh, I, I want dave to weigh in on this one this one was a favorite of mine that i just happened to catch scanning mlb.com noah Syndergaard apparently has too, probably too much time and definitely too much money he apparently hangs around his house watching TV wearing a, basically a, a house robe that is actually designed and basically completely copied over from his New York Mets uniform. Your thoughts?
1: Well, if you're looking for a new level of pretentiousness, then <laughs> this is it, right? It, it makes me wonder sometimes, I mean, I'm not a big fan, well, I'm not a fan at all of people saying mean things to other people on social media, right? I think there's far too much of that in society today. But when you post something like this, with that kind of look on your face, watching like stock tips, you know what I mean? That there's a, there's a level of elitism evident in this picture, which is just off the charts.
0: I actually would have preferred it if he had been holding a glass of champagne.
1: And probably a cigar would have been fitting too. Yeah,
0: in one a cigar in one hand, glass of champagne in the other. I think that would have really done it. I think that would have sold it all. But here's the other thing. And uh, I'll put a link in the description uh, in case you want to check out this picture because it's rather interesting. It's kind of entertaining. You can afford a customized bathrobe. You're watching stock tips, but you can't afford a light. This is true. You're basically sitting in darkness. You look like you're sitting in someone's basement hanging around with your bathrobe. It's kind of creepy.
1: And for the record, this isn't a selfie. So it's not one of those you could excuse, well, they couldn't get the right length angle because they're holding the phone in their hand. No, no. Somebody took this picture of him. So, you know... Like, has anyone heard of a flash?
0: They need, to take, uh, they need to take some photography lessons because the contrast on this is dreadful. So you've got the lack of lighting in the front, and then the TV basically looks blurry and blown up. This is just not good picture composition. Just uh, I'm not a fan. And then the other image from this one, nope, that doesn't look that much better. No. Yeah, so I'll include a link in the description for that one. That's another bit of a silly story. Uh, the next one is what I like to call the Bryce Harper rumor update. And the Bryce Harper rumor update is, do you want to know? Sure, please tell me. The Bryce Harper rumor update is, nothing has changed. Nothing has happened. Effectively, there are basically four teams, I believe now, that are, quote unquote, in contention. So you have the Philadelphia Phillies, you have the Nationals themselves, Padres have thrown themselves, have thrown their hat kind of in the ring, and Chicago White Sox. So those are the four teams. But almost every team in Major League Baseball, someone has argued, should at least make a pitch. I even read an an article on The Athletic, and what I'll do is if I can find the article, I'll also throw a link in the description just in case uh, you wanted to read, read on it yourself. He was arguing that basically every team in Major League Baseball should be taking a pitch at him. Now, at the end of reading that article, I was kind of wondering if he was on the payroll for his agent because I'm like, I don't want to spend too much time harping on the Harper thing. I will as we get closer to spring training because I think it's going to be relevant, especially since we're getting closer. February 21st, we're getting our first spring training game. We're getting closer now. But the thing is... For $300 million, potentially, for 10 years, or maybe even more than that, why? I think Bryce Harper is a good player. He's a, he's a multi-time all-star, no problem. But I'm looking at a guy whose biggest asset is that he's 26. You're projecting greatness upon him. He's very good. He's won an MVP award, so he's not a bad player. But I'm looking at a guy who's cracked 100 RBIs, I think, twice. He's hit over 300 twice. It's, it's not like he's a perennial 30-home-run 100-RBI 300 hitter. He's not like an Albert Pujols. In his, if you give me a 10-year split, and I used this example earlier, if you give me the best 10 years of Albert Pujols from like his mid-20s to his mid-30s, even using an example, where he started to fall off towards his mid-30s, but even if you give me that 10-year period exactly, $300 million, no problem. Miguel Cabrera's contract is in that range. But if you give me his best years from age 26 or so till about age 35 or so, again, 300 million, no problem. Both those guys are perennial 30 to 40 home run, 100 RBI. They have career averages, almost 300. Bryce Harper hit under 250 last year. He did hit 30 home runs. He did hit 100 RBIs. The idea that he's going into his prime, I get it and I agree. But if we're going to pay $30 million a year average, not not per year and a one-shot deal, but average? You know, what's Chris Davis worth? He hit 40 home runs three straight years.
1: Oh, I didn't He at also hit 250.
0: He also hits... No, no, no. I'm talking about Chris Davis in Oakland.
1: Okay. Chris right. with K. Sorry. My Chris bad. with K. I'm thinking, yes.
0: But the thing is, he's done it the last three years. And here's the thing. He also hits 250. Maybe, maybe somebody should go get him 35 because he, because he hits more home runs.
1: Well, I think the problem is you, the numbers are just becoming indefensible, right? If you're going to pay somebody that amount of money, you want the best player in the MLB. Now, there are people I think, I'm think i sure out there who argue that Bryce Harper is the best player in Major League Baseball. But the numbers you're saying, do back up. I can't even argue up. that
0: he's the best one in this free agent class. Well, depending, depending on how you think about the defense, Manny Machado might be more valuable. And he is in this free agent class. So it's like we've got two guys here, and I'm like I'm looking at them. Here's the thing. I wouldn't want to give thirty million to either one, but if you're going to sell me on the idea, attitude notwithstanding, Manny Machado still looks better. The the only thing that I would want with Harper is I need one more thing. He's considered to be kind of close to a five-to-a player. There's no gold gloves over there. So it's like you can't say, oh, the defense brings it up to another level and adds that additional element. You no, just, you're
1: strictly paying for offense here.
0: Yeah, and the thing is the offense isn't it's, a, it's an excellent to potentially elite level. It's not like, oh, it's elite for sure. Every year I know I can bank on it. Once I'm at that point, sure, 300 million, whatever. It's not my money anyway at the end of the day, but it's just a little odd. I find the whole thing strange. Next, I think on the agenda a little bit here, really news and notes wise, that's the biggest ones. I think, what else did we want to talk about? Oh, yes. Last one I wanted to mention as far as Twitter's concerned. I will include a link in the description, but I can only describe this as... What the hell? What were they thinking? What is this nonsense?
1: I'm still thinking that, looking at the picture now, and again, you'll see the link in the description. It's a bobblehead, that's for sure. Although the the thinking of this head moving terrifies me, but it's a, uh, uh, Lords Guriel Junior bobblehead that the Blue Jays have put out. Uh, and they made fifteen
0: thousand of these damn things,
1: and it's called Pina Power. So he's holding a pineapple. And a Blue Jays batting helmet, presumably. And his hair looks like a Chia pet gone wrong.
0: I was thinking of those troll dolls.
1: Yes. You know what? Yes.
0: That's the first thing I saw. first thing I thought of when I looked at this is I thought those old school troll dolls. I think they still make them, but those are the ones that they I look have at. one. And that, that's disturbing. Enough. So and this is,
1: this is more <laughs> terrifying than the actual troll doll.
0: Okay, so I've got several problems with this, but I'll stay really at the high level of what my issues are with this. Number one, this really is supposed to be this is what is gonna make me want to go to the ballpark with with the overpriced ticket prices that Rogers has going for the Jays tickets. Oh yes, let me run and let me because nowadays for bobbleheads you have to get in line. It used to be, I I remember not that long ago that on a bobblehead day, when I had a ton of tickets and I would go to a bunch of games. I actually showed up 10 minutes after the game started, walked in, walked over, and I was actually busy that day. I didn't have time to go to the game. I came in 10 minutes after the start. I walked in, grabbed my bobblehead, and walked back out. That's how few people were attending.
1: Yeah, you can't do that anymore. You can't. So you have to get in line for this hideous thing. I think the other problem is, though, you used to have, like, all the bobbleheads sort of look the same, right? They are sort of, like, maybe standing with a bat, and and it had a big head, obviously, because it's a bobblehead. And now it seems to me because there's so many bobbleheads out there that they're trying to just, okay, what can we do to make this bobblehead more interesting and more different? I have many bobbleheads and some of them, you know, the catcher's mask can be taken off or they have like different pieces you can put on and it's becoming too much. Like I have so many bobbleheads. I'm not, I used to be all about the bobblehead and now I'm like, you know what? If I go to a game that's a bobblehead, okay, but I'm not going for the bobblehead anymore. But I feel like marketing departments of different MLB teams now are saying, "What can we do to make this almost like a McFarland figure, as opposed to a bobblehead?"
0: Well, I think I think the problem is the McFarland figures are actually well done. So it's and you would come up and you'd have the alternate uniforms and all that. This, in reality, what it comes down to is so you have a baseball player with a ridiculous haircut, a batting helmet that wouldn't fit with that hair, and the man's holding a pineapple. You know what I'd like him to hold? I'd like him to hold a baseball glove or a baseball bat because I want him to hit or catch something.
1: And it's not even like a pineapple, a baseball that's like turned into a pineapple, which could kind of maybe look kind of cool. No, it's a legit pineapple.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things. I'll, I'll mark this under uh, grumpy old curmudgeon. I could live with that. But it's like I, I've seen, I've got, a, I've got a handful of bobbleheads that I've collected over the years myself. I've got a bunch of them that are sitting just a couple of feet from me. And the truth is, it was there were a lot of different angles you could take on it. You could do figurines, you could do dolls, you could do the bobbleheads. There were different angle, ways you could take at it. I feel like they put a little bit more effort into some of the older ones, and giving it a troll haircut is not really going to put it over the top for me. But that's uh, your angry old curmudgeon corner. We'll, we'll move on. We'll move on to more positive matters. So I yes. think, uh, did you have anything else you wanted to add on any of these?
1: No, I think said? I think we're good. I think we can move on to our football talk of the week.
0: Okay. So now uh, we're going to turn the corner to a more positive, positive discussion because with the Super Bowl coming up, uh, actually, hold on. Before we go, we must address the elephant in the room. We must discuss the big game at the end of the season. We watch way too much NFL this year to completely gloss it over and ignore it. Quick spoiler, I totally put in my wager this this afternoon, and I totally bet uh, in not insignificant sum on the Patriots. So one of two things is going to happen. Either Tom Brady is going to pay me for the privilege, or... We're all going to secretly celebrate a Rams Super Bowl, and then we'll forget about it three seconds later because really we only care that the Patriots lost.
1: That's true, right? Nobody wants the Patriots to win except the Patriots fans, but you still kind of think that the Patriots are going to win.
0: That would be my expectation, so I'll give my prediction first. I'm not going to go too much into depth because the truth is, if you are listening to this or any other sports, podcast, radio show, television show... You've had almost two weeks to be beaten to death with every form of analysis, and almost all of them come to the exact same conclusion, TLDR. So for the Patriots to win, they basically do the Patriot thing. Control the clock, play smart football, don't turn the ball over, and allow their experience to take over versus the Rams. If the Rams are going to win, they need to find a way to get make sure their running backs actually are able to do their jobs. If Todd Gurley is effective and C.J. Anderson are effective, they can turn the Patriots' game plan on them, run the clock, control it, and basically keep the possessions out of the Patriots' hands. They do that, keep it low scoring, basically do the New York Giants model. Just control the game, control it. If Goff can make a handful of big plays, that's enough. That's all you really need to do. The the formula's out there. And of course, the most important piece to the entire puzzle, hit Tom Brady. There's no big magic or, you know, secret or it's not like no one has figured out how to crack this code. They've gone to nine Super Bowls, extremely impressive. That's in 18 seasons where Tom Brady's been healthy. Guess what? That's 50%. That means 50% of the time somebody figured out how to beat the guy. How do you beat him? Hit him. This playoff, he's barely been touched. And if you don't touch him, well, then he'll just pick you apart surgically. No big, no big 40-yard bomb passes. It'll be eight-yard pass over the middle, eight-yard pass on the side. He'll hit Gronk for something, and he'll run a couple of yards in there. It'll just be an endless array of that.
1: Yeah, I think the one thing Tom Brady's proved is that he's efficient, right? So that if you give him the opportunity to beat you, then he's going to beat you.
0: I was actually trying to think of a good analogy for part of the reason why we're so bored with the Tom Brady thing. Even though, you know, everybody acknowledges his greatness, to my opinion, a little bit too much. But I was thinking about this, and I was trying to find a good analogy to be- to put it together. And I think what I came up with is Tom Brady reminds me, other than Kyler Run, he reminds me of... Basically a golfer who's really, really good at those courses when the weather conditions are horrific. When everybody is getting torched and destroyed. And all he does is get pars. And basically on the 18th hole, he finally gets a birdie. It's effective. It wins. But it is the most unexciting, boring thing I've ever seen in my life. And I don't ever want to see it again. But it works. Which I kind of
1: think that's what you expect in the Super Bowl, is an unexciting, boring game. That's what I'm expecting.
0: Well, the thing is, on paper, it probably won't be. Because if it's a close game that ends like a field goal to win or whatever, on paper it's mathematically exciting. But, well, I, guess sure, there's, but... I guess there's a. Di- but here's where I differ. I guess there's two ways to look at it. It's kind of like the baseball argument. Are you more excited by a high-scoring game that goes back and forth that ends up one run versus a one-nothing pitchers' duel? It kind of depends on you. It's really it's really a personal philosophy thing. For some people, the 1-0 pitchers duel is the most exciting thing in sports. Both pitchers are mowing down batters left and right, and the first mistake is what costs the, the team the game. Versus a slugfest, where you run through all the pitchers, and really what's happening is the offenses have taken over. A lot of it will depend on what you prefer. For me, I can enjoy both. I think the problem is that the Patriots basically do the same thing every time. It's always a one-position game with the Patriots, so it's, so it's not like it's new. The lack for such a dominant team, they've never really dominated in the Super Bowl against anybody. They've either come from behind, or they've kind of traded shots back and forth with them. The other team has played out of their game, and in the end, it's been one possession. Bottom line, I'm going to predict the Patriots, whether I like it or not. I'm going to say it's probably going to be another one of those one possession games. I'll go with something like 24-21 Patriots.
1: And I will go with a very similar score, 21-20 Patriots.
0: Yeah, so if you subscribe to either one of those philosophies, if you are of the gambling persuasion, even if you don't want to bet on the Patriots, maybe you look at the under. The under might be a decent play if you think it's going to end up being a slugfest. If somehow you think it'll open up, you know, maybe both uh, coaches will come into the block with a completely different idea to throw off the other one. Kind of the opposite of the Saints game. Oh, we're going to play out of character, but we're going to give you exactly what you don't expect us to do. Then maybe we'll get to the over. It's, it's more fun to root for an over but I feel like the under is probably a respectable play. It's at least something you should keep in mind. So that's our suggestion, and those are our thoughts on the Super Bowl. Now, when the Super Bowl concludes, there will be another football league in play one week later on CBS. Editor Carlos here. So unfortunately, after we recorded the podcast, it came to our attention that there was an announcement earlier today that talked about some of the things we alluded to as far as the broadcast partners. We knew about CBS already and CBS Sports Network, so we discussed that a fair bit in our conversation coming up. But there was also an announcement earlier today which talked about some other partners that were going to broadcast some of the games. So I'll quickly go over that before we get into the main conversation. As part of the announcement, there was a multi-year deal, which includes the NFL Network, which also kind of plays into the partnership part that we were discussing during our conversation conversation. In addition to TNT, so Turner has a piece of it where they're going to broadcast some of the games. And lastly, Bleacher Report Live, which is traditionally a pay-per-view streaming services, but they're going to apparently show some of the games free. So this can only be a good thing if you're a fan of potentially being able to see it, it, because you're going to have a variety of different platforms. So we'll talk probably more about that next week. Well, as a kind of an update once we have a little bit more of an understanding. But for now, we'll get back to the conversation about the Alliance of American Football. The Alliance of American Football is getting underway. There hasn't been really a lot of buzz to it, per se. I've been on the social media for the AAF for a while, so I do get those messages. So they do show the little promos, the trailers, the teasers. I'm intrigued. Obviously, it's really southern United States-based because they're playing football starting in February through April. So it's a 10-week ten, game, a 10 week regular season, uh, 40 games in total that they're going to be playing. There's a lot of the quirks and nuances that they've thrown together. I'll give a couple of quick high-level notes about it. Really, what you need to know is that it's co-founded by Bill Polian, who has plenty of football credentials, and uh, Charlie Ebersol, so the son of Dick Ebersol, who is obviously famous in television circles and also uh, was involved in the XFL experiment back in the day with Vince McMahon. Also notable was around not long after they announced the AAF launching, was not long after the 30 for 30 documentary, This Is the XFL, which was produced by Charlie Ebersole.
1: I believe he directed it as well.
0: Yes. So and it's like there, there are parallels there. And obviously yep. Dick Ebersole was a bit, was a part of that at the end.
1: Discussing... And Dick Ebersole's on the AAF board as well.
0: Exactly. So there are connections to that. Obviously also, we're not going to talk about as much today because it isn't set to start until 2020. This McMahon also declared that he was going to relaunch the XFL in 2020. So that'll be another discussion for another day. But this one is going to be first to market. I think first we'll talk about some of the things that maybe caught our or there that interest us about what we see here. You speculate a little bit on a couple of elements of it, and then also look at the future prospects, because there is another competitor coming down the line, potentially. We'll see if they actually hit the field. And also, if the approach they've done where it feels a little bit low-key is maybe the smart strategy... We can discuss a little bit about that and speculate on it. But go ahead. Why don't you get started and say a couple of things.
1: All right. So I'm going to try and go through some things that I thought that maybe you wouldn't have necessarily zeroed in on. Some things that I that I feel interesting. And I know this is one thing, a comparison you're not going to make because you could care less about soccer. But I see them sort of following an MLS model here. And I'll, I'll explain what that Pretentious means.
0: Pretentious cross-country running.
1: So the MLS is, for those of you who don't know, is Major League Soccer, and it is the uh, professional highest tier of professional soccer in the United States and Canada because it's a, a league that goes between both countries. But it came into being in 1996 after the 1994 World Cup that was held in the United States, and their philosophy has always been slow growth. We're not going to try and become too big too fast. And I see the AAF doing the same thing. So first of all as you've mentioned, they're well backed up, right? They have a good infrastructure in place. They have good management team. They also have some former NFL players, Heinz Ward, Justin Tuck, Troy Polamalu, Jared Allen, as examples, who are also executives on the board.
0: And other ones involved with the teams because I think Mike Vick is involved with the Atlanta team, if memory serves me. I believe that is correct. Uh,
1: You also have some former NFL coaches Mike Singletary, who used to be the coach in San Francisco, uh, Mike Marks, who used to be the Rams head coach, and Steve Spurrier. Was he Washington, I believe?
0: Steve Spurrier, Steve Spurrier was in a couple of landing spots. I'm just trying to think. He, I think he was with the Redskins, I believe that's right. And obviously, Steve Spurrier is known mainly for his college exploits, but he did have a couple of shots in the NFL as a head coach.
1: So, point being, you have a management team that's in place that knows what they're doing. You also have league control. So the league owns all the teams, which is, is something that that's important, I think, in getting it off the ground. It's only a 10-week schedule, and only four teams make the playoffs. So you're not going crazy with everything, which I think is is good as your starting off point. The other thing I found was interesting, and, and, and some people may find interesting as well, is is they're also giving a chance to female assistant coaches. And the three that I mentioned here, Jennifer King in Arizona... Jen Welter in Atlanta, and Lo Locus in Birmingham. So I think that's another interesting aspect to this is, is, is that if this league flies, I mean, obviously it's going to go for this season, but if it flies beyond this, that you're going to have the opportunity for people to develop, not just players, but also coaches and potentially executives as well. If you have all these former NFL players who aren't involved in the NFL anymore, but are involved in a football league, they may have the chance to learn sort of learn the ropes and maybe get back into the n f l
0: yeah I think to that regard, i think I think right now the marketing angle they're taking from it, they're not calling themselves a developmental league, but the, but in reality, they're pitching themselves as a potential way for players who are right on that fringe who would normally be vying for those practice squad positions or who are just. Because you're not going to get bums off the street. You're not going to be able to just find somebody and then be able to. Because a lot of these uh, players, especially some of the higher profile ones, were college football stars. So they're players who were thought to be good enough, maybe had a cup of coffee in the NFL. So they're right on that line. If there's any aspect of their game that they can improve, that might be a good way to potentially uh, potentially give themselves additional film tape. You can get to the point that you have, uh, that you have the capability of presenting yourself as still a viable football player. You're gonna have new fresh uh, data to be able to show teams that hey I can still play. I'm willing to play and I'm still willing to learn and I'm trying to and I'm still trying to improve my game. So that's huge. Secondly, I think the low-key approach is probably beneficial because it doesn't overhype it. Really a lot of it is learning the lessons of the original XFL. I like the original XFL for what it was because I didn't take it to be more than what it was. They tried to promote themselves probably too hard. It ended up being a, a really good rating for Week One in Game One, but then it almost immediately tapered off because I think they did over 10 million viewers for the inaugural game. But it quickly became kind of a sideshow and then became just a good way to, kind of a punchline.
1: Yeah, well, part of that too was the pr- the preparedness of the players to play, right? People said, "Hey, this is promote," it, like you said, it was promoted really well. People wanted to watch, and then they watched it and realized this is really crappy football, and. That was part of the reason there was a problem with the XFL. And I think regardless of what we talk about here and regardless of how well the league is organized, and if you don't get people watching it, you don't get bumps in seats, you don't get TV ratings, this thing isn't going to fly. Now, I think there's a point that can be made about whether or not people are actually football fans. Are you a football fan? Are you an NFL fan? Are you a college fan? Right? Or are you just a fan of the sport? Because if you're a fan of the sport, then you like watching the game at all levels. Right, so if it's not the NFL, like I think we're both in agreement that this is not going to be as good as the NFL.
0: No, and by na- by nature it shouldn't be. The NFL technically should, with the budgets and with the salaries they can offer and everything. They should have the best of the best. Whatever. Yes, if absolutely. You're a, if you're a fo- if you're a four down football player or a three down football player who wants to play four down football, it doesn't matter. If you're a football player, American football style, then. You're probably in the NFL if you're among the elite, unless there's some weird thing that has prevented you from being in that spot.
1: Yeah, but I think the league in itself is doing things that can try and make it as best as possible. So one of the things we haven't mentioned yet is they do have a TV deal, right? The opening day and the championship game are going to be on CBS, so it's going to be on network television. And at least one game a week is going to be on the CBS Sports Network, so on cable. Now that's great, they have a TV deal, it's gonna be there. Now we have to find out, are people actually gonna watch this? I'll be watching opening day. I think a lot of people will be watching opening day, regardless of whether they watch after that, who knows? The other question is, like I said, how good's it gonna be? But the league is doing everything they can, I think, or a lot of things they could, to try and get people in there. So one of the things I've written down here and mentioned is the season ticket prices. So you can get season tickets, so this five games, For $75. So all the games for one person for $75. That's starting at, yeah. Yeah. Uh, It goes up to potentially $875, which is the most expensive ticket. However, if you want a good first row in like the lower bowl or whatever section is closest to the field, if you're sitting in the end zone, you can get those for $125. So $25 a game. Which I think, that's great value. If you're a football fan, now again, not an NFL fan, not a college fan, a football fan, that's great value for money.
0: Yeah, I think what they're selling themselves is being an affordable alternative once the NFL season ends. NFL season's over, if you're still interested in watching football, there's us. I think the other aspect of it that they went through, and we'll talk about a couple of the rule nuances that might be of interest uh, as well, but short version, where they decided to go is they decided to go the angle of we have to differentiate ourselves from the NFL. If you just try to replicate the NFL, you're going to lose because you don't have the budget they do. You don't have the marketing they do. You don't have the amount of clout they have with all the network deals they have. And also you don't have the experience or the, we'll, we'll say pedigree. We'll call it pedigree. Because people at this point, the NFL is a brand that people know. If you're if you're a viewer of, uh, of football, then you already know what the NFL is. You don't have to sell the NFL concept. When you're trying to be a new league, It doesn't do you any good to try to replicate somebody who's bigger than you, has more budget than you, and has more marketing than you. Because you're going to lose from experience and they'll bludgeon you to death with money. The second thing is they haven't really established a relationship of antagonism with the NFL. They're kind of working almost, not in tandem, but they're not, they're basically presenting themselves like, hey, when you guys are done your season, we're going to play our season. There can be some back and forth with players potentially being able to move fluidly. Maybe somebody is just off the line in the NFL and they can come play for us. Maybe if somebody breaks out as a superstar, maybe they can go to the NFL. Having that ability to move back and forth is good for the players, but it's also good for the league because you're not, you don't have the antagonistic uh, relationship.
1: Well, yeah, the timing is key there, right? So NFL during the season may be doing some OTAs, but they're not in training camp, right? So that it's possible for a player to play a full season in the AAF, and then go and attend an NFL training camp. Hopefully, for that player, with better prospects of actually making the NFL, because they've had a good season.
0: Yeah, the other element I would say, from the player's standpoint, is that having salaries that are at least attractive. Multi-million dollar salaries are not are not we're, we're not going to happen, especially if you're trying to do cost control. When the league owns all the teams, you cannot have that kind of uh, salary structure. So I think what they have is, if memory serves me, is uh, three-year deals. Uh, non-guaranteed, $100,000, staggered over the three seasons, where they improved steadily based on it. It tends to stagger, because, I, uh, because from what I saw, it was $70,000 in year one, $80,000 in year two, and $100,000 in year three. The longer the league goes for players who decide to keep playing, and if the league prospers, it would, things would improve. Plus the availability of bonuses, based yeah. on different things the player can do on the field and off the field that improve the profile and help the league.
1: And even at a ba- at the base salary, you're making a decent living, that's right? That's a living wage. You know, you're not you're not making, you know, Randy Moss straight cash homie bling, but you're making enough money you can provide for your family. It's good for and live comfortably out of it. the year, and
0: you can you can do work. On well, that's else the other thing too. To.
1: That that's a good point that you bring up there, right? You're only playing for from February till April, right? The championship games at the end of April, and then. You know, you want to go try for the NFL, get on a practice route, whatever. You can do that, or you can do something completely different. You have a lot of time, so you know you made your salary for the year. Everything else, really, if you spend wisely and and you know don't don't go out there and say, "Hey, I'm an NFL player," and spend like you're an NFL player because you're not, then then you got it made.
0: Yeah, I for think, a
1: brief period of time.
0: I think if they try to sell Como, it's almost a bit of a throwback because the because the the salary scale at this point is. A regular person's decent living wage for a year, so it's not insignificant. It's not they're not going hungry at that level of a uh, pay scale, but they're also not exorbitantly rich, so it's not out of touch with for a regular person sitting there watching the game. If you're an accountant, you're probably making more than some of these players, like a high-level accountant. Absolutely. So it's a little bit more relatable, and if you keep the ticket price in the stadium to a reasonable price, as you've alluded to. It's a lot easier to sell the idea to, hey, bring the family because that's a, it's a more affordable ticket. Basically, it just comes down to having a high enough caliber of football for it to be entertaining. It doesn't have to be the highest level to be entertaining. It just has to be competitive and interesting.
1: True, but I still think there's going to be those people out there that are going to say, I'm not going to watch this. I won't give it a chance because it's not the NFL, Right. That that they're like, I watch the NFL and I'm an NFL fan because that is the best football out there. And then, you know, maybe this is a a really good product. Maybe it's a comparable product. Maybe it's a little bit better than college. Maybe it's somewhere in between college and NFL. I I don't know.
0: I would expect it to be uh, about a half step above college. For no other reason reason than you've got some professionals. And you've got some players that already excelled at the college level. Yeah, Maybe didn't have for the NFL level.
1: Let's hope so. I mean, we don't know. Again, we don't know what we're going to get. But I just hope... People give it a chance. If you like football, I hope you give it a chance. And no, I'm not in the league's marketing department here. But I hope you give it a chance if you like Shout football.
0: Shout out AF. We're willing to be sponsored.
1: Yeah, this I'm, is I'm true. just saying,
0: we're all the swag. It's not a problem. Just throw it out there. You know, I don't mind.
1: So why don't we get to some of the rule changes then?
0: Okay, so I'll talk about a few that caught my eye, and if you have some in there that you want to add in, feel free. Let's do it. Uh, the big ones for me really come down to, uh, and one other thing I'll mention. As far as the rules, I want to make sure we, we, we cover the main overview in case this maybe is the first you're fully being exposed to it. You maybe just heard about it but then don't know anything about it. We already mentioned the, the length of the season. We already mentioned that a lot of the teams are based on the southern U.S. So most of that's based on weather, but I'll quickly review some of the teams in the league just so that you understand where, whereabouts they are. So you've got a team out in Arizona, so the Arizona Hotshots, you've got the Atlanta Legends, you've got the Birmingham Iron, the Memphis Express, the Orlando Apollos, the Salt Lake Stallions, the San Antonio Commanders, and the San Diego Fleet. Very clever, very clever, let me tell you. And uh, kind of what we alluded to earlier, you do have, you know, some notable people uh, involved in the, in the management of the various teams. Mike Martz is the head coach for the San Diego Fleet, so you might have heard of him. Daryl Moose Johnson is the general manager in San Antonio. You've also got uh, Steve Spurrier, who's for Orlando. Mike Singletary is coaching the Memphis Express, so a lot of these names will be familiar to you if you do know your NFL. And I believe I'll have to look into it a little bit later. But like I said, I think Michael Vick is working in some kind of either a consulting capacity or some aspect of it with the Atlanta team. So there's there are NFL ties all over the all over the league schedule. As far as uh, league rule changes, we'll cover a couple of the main ones, and this is in an article that I will link in I will link in the description. But the main one's play clock. Instead of the standard NFL 40 seconds, they do 35. The idea is to bridge the gap to make it a little bit quicker, a little bit more streamlined, but not to cut it down so much that it results in a lot of um, in a lot of penalties for delay of game. Because that doesn't do anybody any good to give them not enough time to call the play, and then you have to, keep, you have to waste your timeouts. So that's a decent rule, and it's not a fundamental change. And
1: they'll figure it out. I mean, the, the CFL operates with a 20-second play clock, so you're somewhere between the CFL and the NFL, I... I don't see a problem with that. I
0: think it's bridging the gap. There is some thought that's being done, and I suspect there's still room open for experimentation based on what they see once they start getting into the games. So as far as timeouts and challenges, this one I like. No television timeouts during games in an effort to have fewer commercials to reduce overall game time. So they're estimating an average of 150 minutes instead of the NFL's more like 180 instead of basically three hours. Additionally, replays will be limited to two coaches' challenges for each team. Okay, real quick. This is related to the AAF. It's related to every other sport. Yes, please, other sports leagues, if you're going to steal something from this league, because the XFL came up with certain ideas that the NFL later adopted as far as camera angles and as far as some ideas they threw out there. If you're going to steal anything from this league, whether it succeeds or not, no television timeouts. If I'm watching the game, I don't need to sit there waiting for everybody in TV land to finish their commercials so I can keep watching the thing that I'm watching that I paid money to sit there and watch.
1: No, it's annoying, and, and f- from experience of someone who used to be a season ticket holder in the CFL, you see that guy walk out with the red jacket and the flag and just wait and wait, and the players are ready to go, and you're waiting, and then they wave it, the flag, and then they walk off, and then here we go again.
0: It's annoying. Yeah. Every sport does that, though, the, and the, the one that kills me, and this will be a discussion for another day. Like I said, as we get closer to spring training, I want to talk about more about baseball as we get into it, but the television timeouts kill me in baseball. Is basically the pitcher going out there, the starter who's already been pitching, throwing extra warm-up pitches just to kill time. Like it's it's nonsense. There's no reason for it. And if I'm sitting there paying for this, so guys, I, I would like to get home at a reasonable time. And you're wasting two or three minutes every every half inning, adds up. And it's the same with football. It's the same with every other sport where you've got television timeouts. So I like that concept. Uh, the kicking rules. So this let, let really me
1: is. talk about the kicking rule. because because I have a point I want to make on the kicking rules. So first of all, the biggest thing is there aren't going to be any kickoffs. Each team's going to start on their own 25 when it's their possession. If you want to do an onside kick, basically you're going to be put at the 35-yard line and they're going to treat it as a 4th and 10.
0: Your own 35.
1: Yeah, you start your own 35-yard line. So you're going to treat it as a 4th and 10. So if you make the 10 yards, then you'll keep the ball so it would be successful. And if you don't, then the other team would get the ball.
0: And also, so as far as a risk-reward thing is, that's smart because you're still being penalized if you don't make it. If you get nine yards and you fall short on the fourth down, you're on your own 44, so the other team gets the ball back inside your inside your zone half of the field. Yeah. So that's risk-reward. Basically
1: reward. In, in field goal range. Yep. Uh, the other thing is they're not going to do two-point conver- or Sorry, they're go- only going to do two-point conversions. So you're not going to have a, an option to do one point, which... I don't mind. I don't really have an issue with it one way or the other. Uh, you know, we've seen mostly a single point conversion has been pretty much automatic. That's why they moved it back a few years ago. And this year in the NFL, as we talked about in our last podcast, the kicking game's been all over the place. But I'm okay with two-point conversions. The one thing I have an issue with is the kicking game is because the one of the reasons they give you with this no kickoffs and, and, and whatever as well is player safety. We're not going to have that because the idea of somebody catching the ball or having their head up and getting hit without, you know, looking at the player, just looking at the ball or running with the ball and getting hit. I'm like, okay, like I can buy that argument. I'm okay with that argument. The NFL somewhat made the same argument, but, but you can only do two point converts. Well, there's a lot more chance you're going to get hurt in a two point convert than you are in a single point convert. I just feel there's a little bit of hypocrisy there. Again, I don't have an issue with the rule itself. I'm fine with no kickoffs.
0: I get the idea, but I think the but, difference in, in injury risk is marginal because in a two-point convert, you're still running a normal play. The entire rest of the game, you're running normal plays.
1: Right, but I'm just saying the risk of getting injured on a two-point convert is greater than on a single-point convert.
0: No, I get you. I think I think the argument that they're trying to make is that on a two-point convert, you have an entire... Si- both sides are lining up against each other. They know exactly what they're trying to do. In a, ki- in a, in a PAT... The kicker is still kind of exposed. The kicker is really the only one that can that isn't in a, in kind of an athletic position when the play initiates, when they're when they're getting ready to kick and their legs up. They're basically the only one that's exposed that way. If everybody else is running towards somebody or hitting somebody or pushing somebody, they're all engaged with a player. The kicker and the placeholder are really the only ones who are not engaged in a PAT kick. This is kind of a combination. Maybe yes, maybe the injury risk is slightly higher on a two point convert. But then it's offset by getting rid, of, by minimizing the injury risk on the kickoff, and then even with the, um, even with the, the change here as far as, as far as getting rid of the onside kick, the onside kick is probably the most dangerous one because you're potentially trying to kick the ball in and crashing into the other team in order to try to do it at close, fairly close range, only about ten yards apart. And also the way the NFL has done it this year, the, the onside kick has basically become a one, per, uh, a one digit percent conversion rate. Which it's is it's almost automatically you're not getting it,
1: right? Yeah, which no, is I, made randomly I mean, pointless. I think a fourth and well, a fourth and ten at your own thirty-five is higher conversion. Rate. Is way a high conversion rate. Yeah. We'll find out what it is or how often that happens, but it's definitely a better prob- uh, probability than an onside kick is in the NFL right now.
0: I would say, as far as the kicking rules are concerned, changing the onside kick to something where you basically get to run a regular play at fourth and ten, I like that because at least. Well, I hope you have a play that can get 10 yards, because if you don't, you're, you're screwed for the rest of the game anyway. So if you really need it, I hope you have a play for 10 yards. But it gives you at least a shot. And by the way, even if you convert it, well, then you're at the 45. You still got to move another 55 yards down if you need a touchdown or whatever the case may be. So it, at least it leaves it in play, and it's a higher percentage play. At least we're getting past 10%. So we'll kind of see how that plays out, but that's a rule that I do enjoy. As far as overtime is concerned, to keep the games within their projected, they're they're trying to do a a two-and-a-half-hour time slot. There'll be one overtime session. Each team will start an offensive possession from the 10-yard line. And just like in regulation, two-point conversions are required. Games can end in a a tie after the overtime period. That one is pretty straightforward. That one might be some adjustment or some tweaking. Overtime rules, like as this year's uh, conference championships are, there's still a lot of debate about what the perfect overtime rules are. For the regular season, I'm less worried about it. For the playoffs, it's still a work in progress, because you saw both ends of it. You got the ball, you didn't score, but you turned the ball over, and then you got scored on. Or another one, you lost the coin toss. The other team scored the touchdown, and the game was over.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, again, I'm not. I don't have strong feelings about overtime in general. So we'll, I think it's one of those. You see how it plays out. I mean, this is very close to the the college rule and the, the um, CFL rule, so we'll see.
0: Now, as far as the you know, season projections, too early. There's really not enough information about these teams. I, we know some of the main players. One thing that I think we failed to mention that maybe they're trying to do that I think might be a smart play is the allocation of players is really based on like a three-pronged system, mainly based on geography, so they're looking at what college did you go to or maybe what professional team you're associated to or where you are originally from, that kind of geographical link. They're using that first to try to funnel you towards your closest local team.
1: So basically what it's saying is if, for example, if you went to the University of Alabama and you weren't on an NFL roster or you were al- weren't were allowed to play in this league, you would have to play for Birmingham.
0: You wouldn't have to. They, but but, they would but are you not first allocated
1: first... to Birmingham? You're
0: allocated, but I think it's so, still a first dip thing. Because if you really genuinely have no slots, I'm pretty sure the team could be like, hey, we, we well, defer our enough.
1: options. Fair enough. But I mean, like, if, if Birmingham wants you, yeah, then that's where you're then going. That would be
0: they would that's be they would have first right of refusal. Yeah, okay,
1: that, fair enough. Then yeah. we're on the same page. That's the
0: interpretation that I have based on it, which I think is fair. I think that's fine, because then maybe because then maybe you can develop that kind of hometown slash connection where at least they know you there, like. Um,
1: yeah, well, I think it's better for the the fan, team relationship, right. That yeah, if, you know, Arizona State University players are hopefully going to play for Arizona in the league, then, you know, you're more into it, or at least potentially more into
0: it. Yeah, I think the highest profile example that I can think of for the moment, and as we go along, we'll learn more, but I think the highest profile example is uh, Aaron Murray is a quarterback uh, for the Atlanta team, and he made his name in Georgia.
1: Yeah, so, so
0: really the, the connection is kind of clear and obvious, and it's stuff like that. And then there are different affiliations. Basically, it's, it's a rights thing.
1: Yeah, um, and so there's a college affiliation, there's an NFL affiliation, and there's a CFL affiliation.
0: Yep.
1: Yeah. Right? Those those all exist there, yeah. which which makes it kind of hard for me. I don't know about you, but I'm trying to pick a team because it's always better if you can root for somebody. But the Tiger Cats are affiliated with Orlando, and the Saints are affiliated with Memphis. So I'm not really sure who I should be going for yet.
0: The obvious answer is whoever uniforms are cooler. That's That's really what it comes down to. No, uh, it's it's basically it, this is a, another conversation for another day, but it's it's kind of the um, it's kind of the crux or the uh, the issue with Canadian fandom with a lot of these leagues. We do not have a geographical affiliation, so we have to kind of look for angles, maybe a favorite player, maybe maybe a team that we happen to gravitate to for whatever reason. You know, for example, you've got your you've got your New Orleans Saints, you claim it's related to your family, going down New Orleans. I happen to think you were clocked on the head with a fleur-de-lis at some point, and then
1: it just stopped. It's also possible. That's
0: that's a re- that's a more entertaining, you know, origin story that probably is more likely.
1: Or maybe my family clonked me on the head with a fleur-de-lis.
0: Yeah, whatever. You know, family violence, it's fine. It's all good. But the point is that if you don't have a personal connection or a geographical connection or maybe your your family rooted for a team or whatever, that is kind of open-ended. You're basically a fan-free agent, which is a concept, you know, that that you, that we can discuss at length. The truth is fan-free agency is tricky. The only thing that I have to say is that once you kind of pick a team, I really don't respect you if you start flip-flopping. I think once you pick a team, you kind of got to roll with it. It is what it is, you know. Yeah, good does bad it doesn't
1: does mean if, like, a player you like goes to another team, you can kind of root for that player or totally can. Yeah. or root for that team in certain situations but your team is your team and you should be sticking with them. Once you've got a team and you're, that's your team unless of course they trade P.K. Subban in which case then, then it's okay to
0: Well we've discussed this will we, be. I think at some point to be honest with you I think if we ever have like a slow week where we don't have a great topic we can talk about how the Montreal Canadiens are dead to you.
1: Sure. But today is not that day.
0: Yeah. As our, by the way are the Dodgers dead to you? Because they did trade away Puig.
1: We'll talk about that later. <laughs> but no, the do- they're not, at least not yet. Because they sell Vince Kelly. Well, he's always going to be there because you basically retired from that team. Yeah,
0: so that's fair. Really, as far as team allocation is concerned, that's interesting. You know, it'll be hard to tell. Now, let's talk about a little bit of the quote-unquote marketing, I guess. We're not going to get into the nitty-gritty of marketing per se, but the approach, which we've alluded to already, is interesting. Obviously, they've got the geographical angle. That's the thing. You know, we do know about it, but it's not like we've been bombarded with information about it. If I go to ESPN.com, I'm not going to be hit with a bunch of, you know, Alliance of American Football coverage. I actually did a search on The Athletic because I'm subscribed so I can go and look up articles. There are a handful. Like, I got a little bit of background on Steve Spurrier. There was, like, a a piece done on Steve Spurrier Mm -hmm. where they talked about, like, how he wants one more crack at it because Steve Spurrier is 73. So he's not a young man, but at the same time, the league schedule works for him. He still wants to be a head coach, but he doesn't want to be a 12-month head coach to have to do the recruiting and all that. The challenge is intriguing to him. Stories like that are like, you know, profile stories, basically. But there isn't like a lot of like nitty-gritty, and it's really hard to develop a lot of heavy breakdowns with these players because a lot of us haven't had the chance to see them. They have been playing games, scrimmages, to try to start evaluating talent, but also to try to get a gauge for how the rules are working, how the players are working. So a little bit of that's been going on. I think the big thing that's sitting back right now, and I, I mentioned it to you offline, is that we're all waiting to see this app because the app is supposed to be kind of the integration to the league. Because in the weeks, so say you don't have, you have CBS, but you don't have CBS, um, I think it's what, CBS Sports? Or, um, the
1: the Sports Net? Like CBS Sports Network?
0: Yeah, it's the, it's the secondary network. So yeah, the CBS Sports CD, Network. Yeah, so CBS Sports Network, separate from the CBS main parent company, A parent network. Everybody everybody who has access to CBS will be able to see the first one. If you don't happen to have the CBS Sports Network specifically, presumably, you should be able to see the games through the app. That'll be interesting to see. From a personal standpoint, I'll be interested to see how that works with the Canadian context because I'll give you a little story. I actually tried to order some AAF merch and apparently they don't have the capability yet. I assume they will fix that at some point. They don't have the ability yet to process Canadian addresses. Uh So apparently I couldn't get it shipped to me. I had no shipping options. I'm hoping well, they correct that, but it's but it's like little things like that. Do you are care sweet.
1: to tell the people which team?
0: Oh, I, it's, it's, I'm going to stick with the Arizona, you know, subtle theme. And we'll go with the, we'll go with my adopted U.S. college team, you know, Arizonans, because they're playing out of the Arizona Stadium. Okay. So so fair enough. That's that's kind of what I've gone with in that regard.
1: But yeah, I think any kind of outreach to fans, you want to be able to do right. So especially if I want to give Canada, you money, well, that too.
0: I was trying to buy the souvenir football with the logo on it. Because I thought, okay, that'll be the. I'll, 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 I'll stick it beside my XFL football in, in, my, in my hall of, you know, we'll see how this league turns out.
1: Fair enough. And then come back to it when the league comes back, like 10 years later, 20 years later.
0: <laughs> Listen, whatever works. All I'm saying is that there's a couple of things the AEF still has to work out. But I will tell you that I also went, just for fun, I went to the XFL website and I went to their merch shop, and they don't have the team merch yet. However, I could totally order XFL logo merch without any issue. And ship it to Canada. Well. Just so we're saying Vincent Man well, knows how to not to turn down money ever.
1: Well, that's fair. And the guy does know how to market. You can't yes. you can't deny that. Um I also one thing with the marketing, I know this isn't a big big topic really and that important right now, but I'm not o I am not I do not love the fact that everything is the same. And what I mean by that is you want a sweatshirt, it's the same sweatshirt for all eight teams, but with a different logo on it. Mm-hmm. You know? I'd like to see a little bit more diversification, but I also get in the sort of small growth model, you know, small incremental growth that that may make sense from a financial standpoint.
0: I think it's also tricky because obviously right now they haven't fully established a market yet. They don't know who's watching. They don't know how many people are watching, but also because it's league owned, it's not like the individual teams have necessarily a say. They've got logos, they've got colors, they've got all that, but other than that, it's like, Okay, once the team goes in, maybe once the team starts establishing it and they have their fans in there, the fans can go, hey, this is cool, but how about instead of looking like everybody else's but with our color scheme and our logo, you know, I really like a cropped hoodie. Like, I'm just making stuff up. But, like, some element of it that differentiates it from the other ones. Yep, yep. And then maybe they can pitch it. Because once they get to scale, you can make anything. Like, we can make a T-shirt tomorrow with your face on it. but the, And make it in a bunch of colors and make it in ver, a variety of ways.
1: Yes, but like, we don't want to terrify small children, so.
0: You teach not nearly as small children. You're not worried about terrifying them.
1: No, but it's different when it's on a T-shirt.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, you know, we can always you know, we can always get you the shirt and you can go to class with it. I think that would be, I think that would really sell it. That could be, like, the next step. But the thing is, the fact, the, the fact that you can produce all those things almost on demand. Jokes aside, we can produce that shirt inside of an hour. The capability to produce stuff like that on demand means it's possible to make those adjustments. But right now, you still got to get the little details. And I'm wondering as we're going along, we're going to see once the football gets started how many things they've established. But I feel like they're still. I feel like they should hire a few more people to look after those little details. Like I said, you should be able to ship to Canada. You may not think, oh, but who would watch in Canada? Well, we have CBS too, and some of us like watching football too.
1: Yeah. Like if I said, the network airs in that country.
0: Yeah. So the reality is, you got to think about those things. Maybe some international, or maybe someone. Is a U.S. transplant and go, hey, I want to root for, you know, the Birmingham iron. And I'm, you know, I'm now living in Vancouver. Maybe I'd still like to buy it. Mm -hmm. All those things are possible, but you have to take that into account. It's something that's got to be worked on. We'll see how they do with that. I'm curious about the rollout of the app, because obviously as the moment that we're recording this, it still hasn't come out yet. And what I was wondering about, what I speculated on is I'm wondering if they would take, it'd be expensive, but I'm wondering if for a big splash, I'm wondering if they would announce it and roll it out. In, uh, in in amalgamation with the Super Bowl. Basically, roll it out on the day of the Super Bowl and then promote it during the game. Take some of the ad time and throw out a couple of commercials and they go, hey, you know, the NFL season's coming to an end. You still want to watch football? Tune in to CBS next Sunday. You know, we've got a doubleheader, you know. Well,
1: it's a know. smart idea because I guarantee you, you know, if you did one of those, like, I'm going to take a microphone and I'm going to go into, even in some of these cities, yeah. I'm just going to, you know, go downtown in Orlando. And I'm going to hold a mic up to people and be like, so what do you think of the Orlando Apollos? I I would imagine at least, probably higher, but at least 75% of the people you talk to aren't going to know what you're talking about.
0: Well, I think Orlando and uh, Florida in general is a bad one. Most of them will be like, Orlando Apollos is like Apollo Creed. Florida is not really known as a sports hotbed at the best of times.
1: Except for spring training baseball.
0: Sure. Exactly. And a lot of that is transplants and people coming from other places who actually specifically want to watch the thing. Yeah, a lot of it will be how the promotion is. And I, I could be wrong. Is the Super Bowl not being aired on CBS this year? Yes, it is. So you know what? There's your cross-promotional. Maybe CBS themselves is like, well, it's our product. We're going to be throwing it out next we'll week. will be smart.
1: Yeah, like CBS. Especially and... from a CBS standpoint. Like, you want people to watch this thing. Why are you not promoting it when you have the most eyeballs you're ever going to have on your network?
0: I would think CBS themselves, then may, even if even if the AAF doesn't pitch it to them, I think CBS would take it upon themselves to go, well, we're going to be putting this product out next week. So we're going to put it on the main network. We're going to want to max out the eyeballs. You know what? Throw some, throw some ads in there. Even the little ads at the bottom of the screen while they're talking about other things. Throw some ads out there and be like, hey, next Sunday, come back, tune into CBS. We're going to have some more football on. Yeah. So I I could see a couple of ways you could go about it. I think if you launch the app at the same time, then while the game is going on, people can be looking at the app starting to play with it. Mm -hmm. Because you've got fantasy elements that they've promoted that they're going to throw in there. That's a good idea. Different uh, interactive, this, that, and the other thing. Maybe you could have full rosters and people could start looking through them. Obviously, you can go to the team websites, but having it all in the app right in front of you while people are going in, maybe while halftime's going on, if you can resist yourself from the excitement of Maroon 5 Maybe you're going to be playing with the app during halftime or whatever the case may be. A couple of angles you can take on that. So I think we've covered rule changes and all that. We've talked about the teams. We've talked about the elements. I feel that's a pretty good rundown for now. So that's our little season preview breakdown. Of the yeah, idea.
1: and I imagine this is something that we're going to come back to at some point once the league started and we both watched a couple of games.
0: I'm looking forward to it, to be honest, because I do enjoy the football and having football into April is exciting because April bridges beautifully into the beginning of the baseball regular season.
1: So from a sports standpoint, that's a beautiful bridge. No, in terms of the sports calendar, I mean, yes, you're going to have in terms of when they're finishing up, you're going to have the NBA and NHL playoffs, but they're only going to be in as far into the second round, maybe. Right. No one's super into MLB in April because it's just getting off the ground. So in terms of like the sporting calendar. I think they've picked a fairly good spot to be in.
0: That's fair. So that'll be good. So that'll be something to look forward to. With that covered, that'll be the AF topic. We will revisit this conversation once we have a chance to actually maybe see a little bit of the games, see kind of what the rollout is. We'll find out what happens with the Super Bowl. We're sticking to our pledge not to watch the Super Bowl for various reasons. Hashtag so,
1: boycott Super Bowl I.
0: Yeah, so I'll be keeping an eye on that. Obviously, uh, I have some financial incentives, so we'll see what happens. One way or the other, I- I- I'll root for... So either uh, Tom Brady pays me off or Jared Goff pays me off, and uh, one way or another, we'll make this work. So that'll be good. As far as that's concerned, that'll cover that. Anything you're looking forward to in the sports calendar or anywhere else uh, this upcoming week.
1: You know what? I've been so focused on AAF, really. the ones <laughs> Like, I'm actually really excited about this. I wasn't until I actually had to, you know, okay, for the podcast, let's do some research. Let's make sure we know some of what we're talking about. Now you know I'm looking forward to this. The last big thing was Toronto-Milwaukee and the NBA. That happened yesterday. So, you know, I can't say there's anything that I am super, super excited about coming up. But I'm sure there is something that you are.
0: Absolutely. So for me, there's not a lot. Sporting calendar-wise, a lot of it is still regular season stuff. There's not a lot of craziness going on. However, uh, now, it's going to really depend on when I get this podcast up. So depending on it, I will either get it up. Maybe before, or maybe a day after. Maybe I'll get it on Super Bowl Sunday. It depends on the turnaround time. But I'm looking forward to so on Saturday, you know, the day before the Super Bowl, UFC is going to have a fight card, um, a fight night live uh, out of Brazil. So the the fight card's okay. It's nothing too exciting, but I'll
1: quickly just talk about it for two seconds. But I always find because people, it seems just, people in Brazil seem to be so much more into UFC. Yeah. So when you're watching an event live that's in Brazil... No, the
0: crowd's going to be crazy. The crowd's going to be into this. And, it, and for us in Canada, it's available on TSM. So it's over the air live. It's fully available. It's it, it's good to have it. So the main event is going to be uh, Rafael Asuncao versus uh, Marlon Morris. and But you've also got Josie Aldo on it. And you've got Damian Maia on it. So you've got a couple of names. If, uh, if you're into mixed martial arts, there are some good, potentially decent fights on the card. So nothing too crazy as far as that's concerned. And you've got Diego Alves on the undercard as well. So a couple of notable names. That should be interesting at least. That's for Saturday. Obviously Sunday they've got the big game at the end of the season. That I think will basically has neutralized the Sunday sports calendar. Nobody's really competing with it. I believe the NHL has some games on Sunday. But they're doing them like early in the day. Just to get them out of the way. So that nobody nobody's going to compete with the juggernaut on Sunday. That's what I'm looking forward to basically tomorrow. And uh, for the upcoming week, it's going to be a lot of regular season games. I'm going to try to watch some Stars games here and there, if I can. And other than that, we'll be kind of waiting until spring training. February 21st, I believe. That's is what you uh, said, is the yeah. upcoming date. Uh, so Mark that'd it be on fun. your calendar. Yep. And then in March, if that's not exciting enough, quick breaking news on the podcast. In March, by breaking news, I mean it's, it's in the schedule. You can look it up. In March, the Oakland Athletics will be playing, secretly, my favorite team of all time and the favorite team of Oaks, the Nippon Ham Fighters of the Pacific League in Japan. There you go, man. Also in you can't the...
1: Go, you can't go wrong with Japanese baseball. Also
0: in the Bryce Harper Sweet Steaks. Probably, because why at this not? point. Because why not? Everyone is. Next Apparently. thing you
1: know, he's going to be playing for the, you know, for Industriales in, in Havana. Like
0: uh, he would be playing Cuban League. He, he, like, really, if we're going to spread rumors, let's just say, I, I'm going to say, you know what? 10 years, 400 million, or 40 billion yen from the Nippon Ham Fighters. Just saying. That could very well be in play. They could go to the agent and say, 40 billion. Wait, what? Yen.
1: <laughs> I'd say do it. Don't tell him it's yen until he signs the <laughs> contract. Don't tell him it's yen
0: until he signs the contract. Exactly. So, that, so that'll be fun. It's, it's it's always kind of interesting when they incorporate other leagues like that, having a team from the Pacific League, because the Nippon Ham Fighters are where uh, Otani came from. And they, they, they've got a bunch of notable Japanese names. So there are some connections. It's not an accident. It's not just randomly thrown out there. And they are going to be playing the opening series of Major League Baseball in Japan as well, in the Tokyo Dome. You know, that's kind of a good international cross-promotion thing. That's something to look forward to coming up at the end of March. Still some time for that. We'll get a chance to talk about it more once we do maybe like a a preview for Major League Baseball. So I think that does it for us. Thanks for listening. If you've listened this far and made it with our uh,
1: vaguely formatted show, we'll see you again on the next episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast.